right. Uh, today we're going to talk about hope uh, because that's a theme in our Advent season. And as I've said before, and I'll say a lot more, um, hope is something that only Jesus offers. And, and that's by design. Uh, there are no companies out there selling hope. They'll sell optimism, right? But not hope. Uh, there are no governments out there selling hope. They'll sell optimism, but not hope. And it's for a simple reason. People who have hope cannot be controlled. People who have hope are free in ways that no one else can be. And, and optimism, pretty simply, is just this uh, conviction that things are going to get better. Right? Things are going to get better. And uh, that's not hope. That's a human creation. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with it. Right? Unless you're a Lions fan. Uh, if, if, if you're a Lions fan, I'm just, things are not getting better. Since I was five, things are going to get better, right? It's not going to happen. That's the homily. You wish. You wish. All right. So what is hope then? So if you go to your catechism, uh, what the catechism does is what the catechism always does. It gives you a very thorough, detailed explanation that honestly you can stare at for a long time and not get. So I'm going to try to stay obviously faithful to what our church teaches hope is, but also explain it in a way that might be a little more grabbable, for lack of a better phrase. The first thing, uh, well, I'll read you the catechism one. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness. And that's pretty solid, but then it goes on and I got lost. Okay. But the first thing we recognize is when it says a theological virtue, what we're referring to in church language, what that means is it can only come from God. Humans cannot make hope. Hope is something that God has and he gives to us. And not only that, but God stuck it inside of us when we were conceived. It's wired into our spiritual DNA, this gift of hope. And this thing given by God is what? It's a desire for what God desires. It's a desire for heaven. That's important. That for you and I to be people of hope, what we're saying is we're, we're making a prayer in a sense. God, help me to live the hope you offer by wanting what you want. Or if I don't want what you want, ready for this? Help me to want what you want me to want. Yeah, I made that up. But it's there. That's a great prayer. Jesus, help me to want what you want me to want. Because what I want, it's a little messy. How about you? And usually what I want enslaves me. Okay? Do we see that or no? That when you and I chase what we think we want, we end up in chains. It's great at first. Always. I always use this image that our desires are, I always think of them this way. I grew up in Montrose and when I was growing up, people dropped off cats and dogs. Do they still do this? I don't know how many country folk are here. But people would have a cat or a dog that had a lot of whatever demons they produced. And then they would drive out to the country and think, I'll bet these farmers would love these feral animals running around their property. 
And all spring and summer, truly, you'd wake up to 20 little cats. And they would always come to the door, and I would always think, they need food. All the dads are doing this. Yeah, and it's what my dad did, right? What was his line? If you feed it, they won't go away. If you feed it, it doesn't decide, oh, that's enough. Thank you, I'll, I'll leave now. In our sin and the desires of our flesh, they work the same way. And fairly to partly cloudy soon, they move from cute little kitten to demon tomcats. When we chase what we want, we end up enslaved. Starts as a cute little pet. Isn't this great? I love my little sin. And then it's snarling, angry beast. Hope. Hope is when you and I embrace what God wants and we recognize that actually works. It's a joy that sets me free. It doesn't enslave me. We have a couple things we need to do to foster hope. And do I need to convince you we need hope? I don't think so, right? Uh, we all know we need hope. Optimism is way too weak. We need hope in our society. Will things get better? I don't know. I doubt it. We're insane. But we can get better. By not tying ourselves too effectively to that which is crashing. By tying ourselves to what's eternal. So the first thing we need to do is pray. Pray for the gift of hope. It's in you. God stuck it there. We've covered it up with all the noise of a loud, angry, fearful society. And so we don't often have contact with that gift that lives within us. So pray. My confessor, two years ago, totally got in my face. And it was weird because I hadn't sinned. Okay, that you're laughing at. I see what's going on here. I, I, right, I see the, the poor guy. I go every two Mondays, right? And I think he dies a little every time. But about two years ago, he said, can I, can I tell you something? Here's a tip. If your confessor says, can I tell you something, the answer is no. Right? The answer's no. It's so much easier. Right? But being a big dumb ox, I said, sure. And he said, my God, you get dark. You forgot hope. You keep looking at all the symptoms and thinking that defines reality. You need to pray. Here's your penance. Ready for this? He's such a jerk. For the rest of your life, pray that God strengthen hope within you. For the rest of your life. I didn't murder anybody. I mean, what? But it's really been powerful, guys. It really has. And so I'm asking you, for the rest of your life, not as a penance, because none of you have sinned. For the rest of your life, pray that God foster the gift of hope within you. Because everybody else wants you scared and angry. And if you look at the world around us, and if you focus on that primarily, you'll be scared and angry, oh, all the time. Why? Because we've chained ourselves to something feral. Circumstances. Who wants to do that? So first, pray that we, God foster within us the gift of hope. Good? Yes, Father. Second thing, thank you, we remember 
we remember. Uh, one of my favorite psalms. You ready? I will remember the kindness of the Lord. His great and glorious deeds. The mercy and tenderness he has shown to the house of Israel. Isn't that cool? Let's remember. This last week, preparing for this homily, and you're thinking, you prepared? This is prepared. You should see not prepared. It's terrifying. I thought about all those times. I tried to, and I couldn't remember most of them, I'm sure. But where I thought it was up. Right? Those moments where I'm like, this is it. This is the one that beats me. Or this is the circumstance I'll never recover from. I thought of all the kids who came in to talk to me when I was a high school chaplain. And they thought their life was over because that relationship of four weeks was ending. And you wanted to say, it'll be okay. It will. You won't even remember this four years from now. But that doesn't help their pain in that moment. But I remembered some of those moments. And I thought, Lord, you did it. You did it. Isn't that great? Read your scripture. Because it's kind of filled with these stories of God doing the ridiculous, the impossible, the amazing. We need to remember. And to remember goodness, we actually have to work. Our little brains are programmed to remember pain. If we want to remember joy, we have to make an effort. So we pray that God foster the gift of hope within us, and then we remember we remember personally, and we remember by the reading of Scripture. We good? Okay, now we get to the hard one. Okay, the hard one is a change of focus. And it's not a little change of focus. It's a huge change of focus. <clears throat> if we want to know why we struggle with hope... It's because what we want is broken. So stick with me now. When I was a high school chaplain, I taught senior philosophy. And if you're sitting there going, wow, that sounds great. You were not one of my students. Yeah. Uh, no 17, 18-year-old boy or girl is like, hey, is there a way I can read Plato at 8 in the morning and talk about it with an you know, overweight man with a large beard? Why, yes, we can. Every morning, 8 o'clock, right, I'd have these beautiful kids. They were awesome. But nobody's interest, nobody but me is interested in philosophy at 8 a.m. And it always struck me. I'd be sitting there, and, you know, they just got up an hour ago at the most. And there was violence to get them from that bed to that point. And now we're going to talk philosophy. But here's the thing, and it's kind of funny. Are you ready? They did what I told them to. And that's so weird, because no one does what I tell them to. But one time, and in fact, I was living with J, or, uh, wait, wait, JV, what do you, uh, Monsignor Vink, Bishop Vinky. Okay? We were living together on MAC Avenue in East Lansing. And we were sitting there, and we were eating popcorn and, and praying. <clears throat> popcorn prayer. And it struck me truly. I said to him, JV, this is nuts. Are you ready? I says, all over the city of Lansing. 17 and 18 year old kids are reading Plato right now, right? And I knew because the test was the next day, and it, right? And I, it just struck me. I'm like, they're reading the Republic right now, and not because they want to, because I told them to. 
And why did they care what I told them to do? Well, because I had something they wanted. I had a pocket full of good grades. Mm-hmm, yes. And I have this pocket of A's and B's, and I will give them to you, but only if you do what I tell you. Isn't that nuts? Right? That's why I just, you know, didn't care about grades. Man. Thank you for laughing over there. Who's got what you want? That's the question. What do you want? Who's got it? Because whoever's got it has all the power over you. I had a pocket full of good grades. So I could make 17 and 18-year-old kids, I kid you not, read Plato, read Thomas Aquinas. God can't read Thomas Aquinas. Augustine. I, you name it. These poor, tortured souls were reading it, all because I had something they wanted. This is where we get to the rubber hitting the road and why we struggle so much with hope. It's because we want the wrong things. And the people who have what we want don't care if we are alive or dead. And we give them all our beautiful energy and brain power and love and loyalty. And in the meantime, there's God who actually has what we want. Love, salvation, peace. A sense that whatever circumstances come, I'll be okay. God has those things. And he gives them to you without enslaving you. The joy he offers doesn't chain you. It sets you free. So if we want to be as hopeful as God has called us to be, then we need to pray that God foster the gift of hope within us. We need to remember both personally and remember through the scripture. And then we need to ask God to heal that thing in us that wants stupid temporary things. To say to Jesus, change my heart to want what matters. I've used this image before. And I'll use it again. It's just that good. It's from St. Teresa. Who talked about this. And I, and I want to put it in our hearts again. So that we can remember what it means. To want what God wants. She said. If I'm on my way to London. To be crowned queen. It doesn't matter really. How the trip there goes. It doesn't matter if it's pouring rain and I'm walking on, on messed up roads. It doesn't matter if I'm hungry for most of the trip. Because here's what I know. When the trip's done, I get a crown. She said, and at the same time, if I'm on my way to London to be executed, doesn't matter if I'm in the best coach on the smoothest roads and the best hotels. The destination is everything. So, where are we going, guys? We are going wherever what we want is. And we better want what God wants. For no other reason than that will actually liberate us. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we lived free of the tyranny of our circumstances? Wouldn't it be great? If our lives weren't dependent on the ups and downs of a broken world, but instead we're fixed on what's eternal and what matters. That's hope. And God stuck it in us. And the story of you ends so well. 
So that's our challenge today, guys. Besides having a long homily, here's what we're going to do. First, we're going to pray that God foster within us the gift of hope. Second, we're going to remember. We're going to remember what God has done for us personally. And we're going to remember what God has done through the sacred scriptures. And then third, we're going to change our focus. We're going to keep asking ourselves, what do I want, really? And who has it? And in that process of hope, when we realize it's God who has what we want, we will lock onto him and we will let nothing shake us loose. Amen? Okay.